right, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn it to the book of Malachi. The last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Now if I asked you what was before that, you might not know. But the book of Malachi, chapter 3, that every one of us, after we are born again, after we have been changed by the grace of God, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit of God, and after the continual work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, that each one of us need three things in this world that we live in. Now look, I'm interested in the sweet by and by, but I need someone and something for the nasty now and now. And his name is Jesus, and by the person and presence of the Holy Spirit of God, he helps us. He's our comforter, our counselor. He will guide and guard us and protect us and lead us in the way that we should go. So you need integrity on a daily basis. You need reality. There are too many of God's people who, my dear friend, their lives feel like they are living a life of death. Uh, where their life feels like it's in vain, where their life feels like it's uh, futile, where you feel like something is missing. There needs to be an element of reality in your life, and, and then there needs to be an element of a principle of expectancy in your life. And we're going to look at this in, in Malachi chapter 3, and I want you to read with me in verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often to one another. All right, good, thank you. And then they that fear the Lord, in verse 16, spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serves him, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. I read an ad of a man that loved his dog. He lost his dog. He lived in Florida, and it was placed in the paper. Maybe you've heard it before, but uh, it said these words, Lost dog. Reward offered. It's breed. Limps due to automobile accident, has an arthritic condition. He's blind in one eye. Large patch of fur missing due to mange. Does not hear well. Answers to the name Lucky. <laughs> well, my friend, I want you to know something. You or I are more than lucky dogs. God has bestowed his grace upon us. He loves us. And uh, we, we are people that are not, God doesn't love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. And the nation of Israel began to forget this 
this love of God, what he had done for them, gave them a land, gave them a law, gave them the lordship, gave gave them a lord. And they had defiled the land and denied the lord. And given up these things that God had given to them and they forgot the things of God and they began to complain. They began to mouth words back to God and say to him, well, we have lived for you, we've gone to church, we've done the things, but we don't feel any better about it. And it looks like those that are living wickedly and those that are living for the world, the other pagan nations, it looks as if they are getting better blessed than we are. But God uses Malachi and says there's a people that he will set his eyes upon. And I want you to know this, that God does not forget anything, any labor of love, any work that is done in the power of the Holy Spirit, anything that you do for the Lord, God does not forget and he sets his eyes upon you. And he also bends his ear for you. And he cries to you that we might cry back to him. He really loves us. He really cares for us. And it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what trials, what temptations, what hurts, that you, what hallelujahs in the valley or on the mountaintops. It doesn't matter, my dear friend. God is sovereign and God is good all the time and God really does love you. And you and I need to be reminded of this great love of Almighty God that He has set down upon us. And when you and I forget this great love that He gives us in our hearts and shed abroad in our lives, when we forget that, we began to fall asleep at the wheel. We began to become a little more lax in our responsibilities at home, at church, at work. We forget. And these people were forgetting. So I want you to know that God has a plan, God has a purpose. While the world is looking for happiness, while they have pleasure, while they have prosperity, while they are pursuing uh, popularity, my dear friend, God wants to give you real joy. Joy that flows from the Holy Spirit and from the Holy Spirit of salvation that God gives to you. Without Jesus, you can't have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot have true joy. Jesus is the source. He has monopoly on joy. That runs deep. And God is looking at these faithful few that are on fire. God is looking at these master's minority. God is looking at these salty saints. And I want you to know something. Though this book is at the closing of an age, You and I are living at the closing of an age, I believe, before Christ comes again. This book is a connector to the book of the New Testament, to the New Covenant. God has connected this book to the people of the New Covenant that have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb of God, by the blood of His cross, paying for our sins. It is a challenging book to me because, my dear friend, God wants us to live 24-7 under the shadow of His wings. God wants us to know true joy on a daily basis. He hung on the cross, and when he said, it is finished, what he meant when he said, tell the last time, is I have finished the work 
so that my people in whom I love and set my affection upon, they can know the joy through life, even through the roughness and even through the trials and tribulations that come our way. And listen, God has promised one of the scriptures is this, that we will have much tribulation. We will go through the valley. But there has to be characteristics. There have to be these elements in our lives. And I want to challenge you with these. The first thing I want to challenge you with is integrity. Integrity. I want you to look at the people that God looks at. And God looks at people who have integrity. The Bible says, Then they that feared the Lord, Oprah Winfrey said, when she heard her pastor say that God was a jealous God, that God only wanted to be loved, she said she gave up Christianity and she went looking for others. My dear friend, I want you to understand something that God is a God that deserves our fear. Not a cringe and dread like a slave, but a servant that loves him for what he's done for us and who he is. Love, my dear friend, is found on its knees. When we really fear God, we will be on our knees and we will be in the highest company of the King of Kings when we really respect Him and seriously take him for who he is. That's what it means to fear God, to respect his word, to reverence his son, to live daily and hourly and moment by moment in the power that God has given to us. And God says this to us, those of us, those that are willing to have character who fear his name, God says, I have a recorded angel in heaven. I have a heavenly manuensis in heaven. And every time you fear his name, the Bible says in this verse that he writes it down. That he writes it down. Did you hear that? That he writes it down. Here's a child that's in college against a secularistic, secularistic uh, 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 philosophy that's against the things of God. And yet here's a child of God that stands for God and stands for him and says, this is what my God said. And to that recorded angel, write it now down. There's a college student that loves me. Here's a man that uh, loves his wife and a man that will leave the computer along with his pornography that would rather have character than pleasure for a season that turns the gravel in the mouth and they turn that off and turn away from it because they know it will hurt them and hurt their family. And God says, write it down, that man has character. And here's a woman that works in the nursery and uh, she loves those kids. You know, in the ballroom, in the nursery, the ballroom where they cry. I thought maybe I said that must be a North Carolina joke or something. <laughs> Matter of fact, in, uh, in our nursery, we have a, a thing that's printed up there right where the babies are changed. We shall all be changed. <laughs> in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. But here's the nursery worker that takes her job seriously, gives a little cup of cold water to a little child. God says, look at the character of that. Write it down. Here's a timid testimony of a little girl that says, Daddy, would you come to church? Would you come with me and Mama to church? Would you come? God, What God did for Mama, God can do for you. Would you come? And God says, write it down. 
Write it down. Write it down. You see, my dear friend, we have the book of Revelation. We have the word of God. The, the book of Revelation, the whole book, the 66 books reveal the character about God and reveals our character. It reveals who God is and reveals who we are. There's a book of Revelation. And yet there's the book of, of the Lamb's book of life. At the age of 20, a rising junior, like the prodigal son, I left uh, a transfer from East Carolina University and went back to Elon. And uh, that summer I was saved because of a tent meeting. God uh, reached down at the age of 20, and by his blood, my dear friend, I was cleansed and Jesus was really out of the grave and he came to live within me. There's a book of the, uh, the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your, are, are your names written in it? And then there's the book of remembrance. God is writing it down. So he writes our character. He writes who we really are. And I want you to notice the next thing. He also, those who spoke one to another, our conversation, what we talk about, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My dear friend, there's nothing better than to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it ought to be? Ought to be when we leave our church services? That every if you don't glorify the worm, you know who the worm is, the preacher. When you go out, you glorify God. When you get up, you don't talk about ball games, you talk about this God. And it might be at work at a water fountain or it might be someone that's in need and, and you remind them of who God is. You remind them of his love. And God says, write it down. There's someone who's talking about me, someone who's conversing about me, someone who is not ashamed of me. Write it down. Our conversation. Then he says about speaking one to another, our company that we keep. God looks at our company that we keep. Do you know birds of a feather do flock together? And do you know where I want to be on Sundays and on Wednesdays? It's in the house of God. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I don't want to be the manner of some is. I want to be with God's people. The prayer meeting, I want to be with God's people. The most important highlight of the week ought to be the prayer meeting. I want to be around the table with my family speaking about the Lord Jesus, and being with them, the company that we keep, my dear friend. Look, I, uh, uh, we were just speaking with the, uh, uh, the Geddens here, Helen and um, Kenny. And, we, and they were speaking and bragging on the Lord Jesus. That's what God wants to hear. That's the company that the God enjoys for us to be around. It doesn't mean that we don't go out and tell others, because we do tell others about the Lord Jesus, but we want them to get them in our flock our conversations in the company that we keep. Look, since I've been saved, it's amazing the people that God gives to you on your way. You know, I never lost anything when I came to Christ. I gained everything. Brother Sam, so good to know him. Brother uh, 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 Jim, Keith, Kent, Sean Horn, Norman, over in Sweden, Mott's and Roland, down in the Caribbean, Zaraja, that little girl, and uh, Renuka, uh, the pastors, uh, Pastor Moss, all these people, uh, all the years that God has given my dear friend, God's redeemed people, the company that we are a part of. 
Then I want you to notice also, if you look at verse 16, then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and then thought upon his name. Those who think upon his name, those who take their contemplations and they place it upon the Lord God of glory. Let me ask you something. When you have a problem, when you have trouble, when you have trials, when you have things that upset you, where do you run? And who do you speak to? Do you know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the righteous run into a tower? The name that's in that tower, the name of that tower is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a lot of names. He's the great I Am. He is Jehovah's Sip Canoe. You know, when you sin against God, when you, when you and I sin against God, you know what happens? We can go to the Lord God of glory and say, God, I need to be cleansed. I need, I have a dirty stain upon my heart. I have done something wrong and I'm asking you to forgive. I know you forgave it at the cross, but I need a daily cleansing from you that you have provided by the means of the cross of that your blood was shed for me. Would you cleanse me from my sin that I can be free? And God says, I will gladly cleanse you from your sin. He is Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness. Our dear dad, my stepfather, left us in 2013, cancer. My mother's a widow. Many of you that have lost your mates, parents, and you feel lonely, is the Lord Shama. He is the Lord ever-present. He promised he would be a husband to the widow, to the wife. And when you think about that name, my dear friend, when you run to that name, God says, write it down. They are thinking upon my name. They are speaking my name. They are with God's people. They love me. They care for me. They have character. And the Bible says the Lord hearkened. That word means he pricked up his ear. He leaned his ear down to us. He loves us. He loves us. You have a battle to fight. Cancer has come your way. A child has gone awry. Financial battles, emotional battles. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And he will give you peace in the midst of the difficulty. That's his promise, my dear friend. God loves us. God loves you. And God says, write it down. Now, isn't that amazing? That one blessed day, God himself is going to open up the book and God himself is going to show what's been written about us when we stand before him and when we are there, when God is going to give those rewards out and the things that you forgot about, the things that you have not even thought about in years are going to be written down in that book and God himself is going to open it up and God is going to say, that boy, that girl, that person had character and yet you were standing as bright as the stars in the morning when you stand before him. I want to ask you, do you have integrity? 24-7. God deserves that. You know that, don't you? When he redeemed you, he redeemed all of you. He wants every bit of you. Every bit of what joy he gives. And not only do we need integrity, but we also need reality. I want you to notice in verse 17, if you would, 
The Bible says, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I spare them as a man spareth his own son that serves him. Now this is a special name that God has for his children. We're called, you know, the little flock, saints, fishers of men. But I want you to notice this word jewels. When you look up that word, it really means my peculiar treasure. And I did a little research and I looked back in First Chronicles, the last chapter, chapter 29, when David was preparing his son to build the temple, Solomon. And David had offered up pure silver and, and, and 7,000 uh, talents, weight talents of gold. He had given a lot. But then he said that I have something special that I have as my peculiar treasure that I'm going to bring out and I'm going to give it because God is great and I want him to have everything. That's what God says about us, my dear friend. We are his peculiar treasure. My wife will, we will be celebrating 30 years in September of marriage. We dated for four years. Matter of fact, we went on a date several, uh, on a date uh, in this, uh, with a, a, a couple that we kind of ran around with at our previous church. And she got me to the side and she said, Don, you, have you been thinking about marriage lately? Four years is a pretty good time. And, and, I, and, uh, and I know how these girls get together and they do all that stuff. But she didn't know what I had already done. I told, now, this is what I told her. I said, look, I said, look, if, if Kim is really thinking about me proposing to her anytime soon, it's just not going to work. I'm not ready. Now, I, I did it on purpose because I had already gone to the jewelry store and I had laid away a ring. And I had decided when I was going to marry her and I asked her to marry her, uh, proposed to her, it was going to be on Christmas Eve. And so many months at the beginning of the year, I had found the ring, I had looked all over for the right ring, and uh, it was a little ring because I didn't have a lot of money, and it did have a few flaws in it, but it was the best ring that I researched and I could find. And so, uh, so I went, and Kathy... I said, Kathy, I, I can't pay for the ring right now. Can I do it on down payments? Can I give you so much money each time? And she said, Don, you do what you want. And, uh, and so every week when I got my small paycheck, I went and laid down some money on it. And during the weeks following, maybe there would be from time to time, I would say, Kathy, can I look at the ring? Can I see the ring? And I would look at that ring, looking for the day that I would be able to ask Kim to be my wife. Well, finally, the day came, the week of Christmas. Paid my last payment. She wrapped it up beautifully. And on Christmas Eve, in her apartment on the second floor, I asked her, wilt thou be my wife? And she wilted. That, look, don't look at her now, okay? I wilted too. We took hands. We both cried. 
tears because we knew God had put it, placed us together. And then we made it public to our family that night. And then we settled for a date in September and we were married. But you know what happened later? A true story, really. What happened I, later, a little later on? I still didn't have a lot of money, still don't. But I wanted to buy her a bigger ring. I said, Kim, you could ask her. I said, Kim, I want to buy you a bigger ring, a better ring. And you know what she said? She hurt my feelings at first. She said, no, sir. No, sirree. Why? I want to get you a bigger ring. She said, no. This is the ring that you purchased for me. This is the ring that I was engaged with. This is the ring. And really what she was saying, this is my treasured possession. My dear friend, you are God's treasure possession if you know Him. God loves you so much, God will not give you over to anyone and God is not going to trade you in for a bigger, better ring. And then the Bible says, not only shall they be mine, but in, in that day when I make up my jewels, God is using suffering and trials in our life to perfect us. The other day I was in the hospital and a dear lady that we love so much has a, a very hard bout with cancer that has taken place. And we don't know if this is going to work, all that she's doing. And she was having chemo and then she had two seizures and I was called because they thought she was gone. And I went back and they had just wheeled her back from taking a, a CAT scan and as soon as she saw me on that bed she began to cry. The next day when I went back and she was in the room I said to her, I said, Ida, Mary Ida, I said, I want you to know something. God is working in your life. God has taken these trials and God has taken these tears and God is using this to shape and even to sharpen you into something better for God's glory. She looked at me, she said, thank you, God. God is perfected. God is setting his stones because one day, my dear friend, God is going to show off his people. We are preserved by him and they shall be mine like a father who loves a son that has compassion on, on, uh, on his son. Like my father had compassion on us, my dear friend, had tenderness toward me. God in heaven is a perfect father who gives perfect gifts he possesses us. He, he is uh, perfecting us and He is preserving us. Reality. You more than having a, a, a silver spoon in your mouth. You have rich royal blood flowing through you, my dear friend. You belong to God. The God of glory. The Lord of love. Remind yourself, God wants you to remember who you are. And then the last thing I want you to notice is reality. Because the Bible says in verse 18, Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. As Brother Jim said a minute ago, my dear friend, listen, Jesus is coming again, and those who are heaven-bound have been heaven-born. Those who have been born by the Spirit of God, our Lord Jesus Christ one day is coming back again. And he is, going to, he is going to separate those who only have a mere 
profession. But they've never been changed. The Holy Spirit has never opened their eyes up to the cross of Christ. They never have given up anything. They've just added Christ to their regiment. My dear friend, when you come to Christ, when the Holy Spirit shows you that you're lost and wretched, you don't deserve heaven, you deserve hell, when you see yourself that God gave His best for us, you will fall down before Him and you will say with all humility, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, one day, my dear friend, you will see in that day who is or really His and who are really not. What a terrible day that's going to be for those who don't know Him. But what a terrible day for those who have not been living with integrity, who do know Him, who have not been living in reality, who have not been living in expecting, uh, expecting the Lord God to come again. Did you wake up this morning wondering if the Lord would come back today? I did. He might interrupt your plans today. He might come back today. And I say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, except for this fact of those who need to be born again, those who need to be saved today. See, there's going to come a day when the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. And my dear friend, that's going to be a great day when Jesus is going to return and there's going to be a shout from heaven and when he comes again, uh, uh, Satan's uh, kingdom is going to crumble like he's never seen it before. And his shout is going to go through every graveyard and through every hollow tomb where those bodies have been laid and ashes have been formed and it's going to rise up and wake up the dead in Christ and God is going to raise them up and give them a brand new body. That would be a pretty good thing on Easter Sunday morning for that to happen, wouldn't it? Huh. Then there's going to be a rapture. My dear friend, we're going to be snatched out of here, out of this demon-possessed land that the God of this world is trying to control, and it is controlling. And then there's going to be a great reunion day, my dear friend. We're going to sing and dance and shout about, and the land will dry our tears. What a great homecoming week that's going to be. And then there are, going to be, there are going to be rewards. And then God's going to refire us and put it in his workplace where he wants us to be. That's going to be an amazing time. Now I want to ask you. You know, I'm, I'm just a mere vessel. I'm just a, a human being that has flaws, blemishes, and blotches like you do. But you know, David had a heart after God. Saul had his heart about himself. David had a, a heart for God. And even though David sinned, David repented quickly. And David, my dear friend, looked to God. And I want to ask you, my dear friend, if Jesus came back right now, would you be ashamed of his coming? And would you be, would you be ready? I have one man to tell me this. He said, Don, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just ashamed to die. I haven't led anybody to the Lord. I have lived for myself. Matter of fact, I have lived like, light, like Lot. Didn't influence anybody for the Lord Jesus. One day Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Well, I told the story this morning. I don't know if you remember 
Back in 1995, Scott O'Grady was shot down over Bosnia territory. Surface-to-air missile. He ejected from his seat. He landed in enemy territory. And he grabbed his 29-pound bag that had uh, his survival tools in it. And he ran to the wooded area. And he speared, uh, uh, speared dirt all over his face and his hands. And he covered himself up. The story that I read in Bashar 5.2, cows were walking even right beside of him, eating and grazing grass, and even the enemies who were looking for him were right there with their guns. And he was almost there for an entire week without being caught. How did he live? Well, the dew from the grass, he would take a sponge, any type of water that would fall, he would take that sponge and squeeze it into that little plastic bag. He would eat uh, grass and bugs for protein and, and uh, other elements to, to keep his body hydrated. They told him in his training that if ever anything like that happened before, do not radio out until sometime later because they will be looking, the enemy will be looking for the signal. And so it was, he was already low on power with his, with his uh, phone, with his walkie-talkie, uh, with his uh, being able to communicate with, with uh, uh, his, his, those that would know that he was still alive. Four days later, he communicated. They received a signal. June the 8th, after midnight, for the first time, he spoke. And they responded, we know you are alive. Hope was in his heart. 4.40 a.m., behind the scenes, they were executed. They were moving the great ship there in the water with the, uh, the Apache helicopters and all of the weaponry and, and warfare that would be there. And 52 military Marines were in those two helicopters ready to go at the command. At 6.35, he received the call, be ready, we're coming. And off from a distance, he heard, shoo, 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 shoo. And those helicopters landed on an area there that he had moved to. And 20 Marines dropped out, jumped out, and surrounded the perimeter of that helicopter. And then they said, go. And he got up with a pistol in his hand and he ran and they grabbed him and put him into the helicopter. And, and in no time, seven minutes in duration, they were up and off going 150 miles per hour, just uh, not too far up. And there, were, there was uh, gun sounds and bullets that were hitting the helicopters. And then finally, at 7.15, they cried out on the radio, to their commander, wet feet, which means they were over sea, they were headed toward the ship. He was rescued. My dear friend, I want you to understand this. It's after midnight, and God has said, I'm coming for you. And God himself, my dear friend, is getting everything ready, and he himself is given. he's going to make sure you are pull, pulled out of this world in a safe manner, in a safe way. And it could be 435 right now. It could be 615 right now. And Jesus is going to come again. Are you ready?
for his coming. So I'm telling you, if you and I would want God more than we want this world, if you and I would want our Lord and Savior more than we want anything else, my dear friend, if you and I would have integrity, real integrity, if you and I would have this matter of reality and identity in the Lord Jesus Christ with a spirit of expectancy, my dear friend, you will be ready to meet the Lord in the air. And God will bring revival to our churches and to our cities and to our communities that will change people for the glory of God. Can I get an amen? amen? He will. I close with this. I just want to say this. Let me tell you what God will do. When I met Tim and fell in love with her, just a brief story. Her dad, I didn't know all the stuff that this woman went through and her brother and sister. Her, bro, her dad and mom owned a bar. And Ronald, when he drank drunk liquor, he got mean. Beer, he got silly. He ran around on Kim's mother. He threw hot soup on her one time. He even shot at her. His oldest son, his son, because of a mistake that he did at the high school, he bumped his car and his son's car veered off and hit another car and killed a girl in that car, and Kim, graduation, had to walk up on stage to receive her diploma with the portrait of that girl right there on stage. Can you believe that? Would that be hard? She would leave her house as a child and as a teenager and go hide in the woods, and her mother would have to come find her. At the end of his life, that time he was living in the bar and he was living with a girl Kim's age in the bar. He wouldn't have seen his grandchildren unless I would take them by the bar. I would have little Hannah. She learned how to use the Evangel Cube and I would take that little girl. I said, now you tell your papa how do you about that, about our Christ, about our God, use that evangel cube. But he would look down and he would listen to her. Well, it came time to die and, and Kim's father had nowhere to go because the girl, who's going to stay with a, a man that lost everything and his health is no good? And um, Kim begged her mother, please take him back for a little while. Miss Moore took him back. They thought he would live four months. He lived two weeks. The second day before he died, that evening, he went in there and said, Daddy, I don't like the things you've done, but I know that you need Jesus, and I don't want you to be in hell when your family is in heaven. Please, 
understand that you're a sinner and you need Christ. He'd been told that over and over. You know what happened? We believe that man trusted Christ. Now watch. They helped him out of the bed the next day. He went into the living room. And for the first time ever, Kim said, he had never apologized about anything. He said, I'm sorry I was never a daddy to you girls. I'm sorry, Lefoy, I was a rotten husband. We believe the man truly was saved and born again. My wife, and the reason I say that, my wife became bitter toward her daddy. They went up to Chapel Hill Hospital, and her daddy was in the sick bed, liver disease, with the girlfriend in bed with them. Just, just in bed, warm, just beside of him. And she became embittered. But one day, God spoke to her heart. God broke through. And when God broke through, my dear friend, God broke through. When, when God broke through to my wife's heart, God broke through to her daddy's heart. I just wondered what we need to do to have, let God break through us. Would you bow your heads with me, please?